how do we pray? Jesus gave his disciples and then hence has given us this model for prayer. And it is not just a prayer that we can pray through our repetition from memory, but it is also a pattern. It is a pattern for all prayer. Earlier this morning, uh, we had a Ash Wednesday service, an abbreviated service without music for some of the teachers and anybody from the congregation, and Grandma Pat came. Grandma Pat is our quilter, and, um, and I thought of Grandma Pat when I was working on this message because when she creates a quilt, oftentimes she uses a pattern. But she is so good, she doesn't need to stick to the pattern. <laughs> she can improvise on the pattern. Kind of like a good chef. A good chef will have a basic recipe, but then the chef will innovate and create something completely new and different. And then you can get into, into the postmodern chefs who like to present deconstructed food items like deconstructed lasagna. They'll charge you an arm and a leg for it, but it's still lasagna. So the Lord's Prayer is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. But it is also a pattern for prayer. This prayer is good to pray from memory. It is a prayer that is good for us to take each petition. So maybe... Uh, instead of praying it every day, one week, maybe the next week you would take uh, one of the petitions and just focus on, on that particular part of the prayer for that day. You can also build off of the pattern that Jesus gave us. And so what I wanted to propose tonight was another way to pray the Lord's Prayer. Before we get into that, <clears throat> I wanted to focus on the introduction that Jesus gives us. Because in the introduction, what he is saying is that prayer is that personal communication with God. Prayer is very personal. Jesus demonstrates that when he says, Our Father. But he doesn't say, Our Father. He says, Abba, which is more like Daddy or Dad. He is talking about a relationship that he has with his father. And he wants us to have that same kind of personal relationship with his father. But because we are human and because we are rebellious, we are not so excited about getting close with God. I mean, if you're like me, it's easier some days to say that my relationship with God is private not public. It's not something I want people to know about. And here, I'm a preacher. Or we might say well, it needs to be formal. It can't be informal. You can't be innovating it. You've got to stick to the exact words. The problem is, is that it was, it was taught originally in Aramaic, and we get it passed down in Greek. So we're already at a at a translation issue here. So when we talk about this prayer being stubborn, or uh, being personal in our stubbornness to it, 
uh, to, to being in that kind of a communicative relationship with God reminded me of a story that I heard once about a Danishman, a Swede, and a Norwegian. Now, I used to tell this story with the punchline being a Norwegian because I was told I was part Norwegian, but my brother did that DNA test, and lo and behold, I'm more Swedish than I am Norwegian. So I'm going to switch the punchline tonight. So the, the Dane and the Swede and the Norwegian go into the barn. It's a pig barn, a hog farm, a hog barn, and it just stinks. And they're, they're going in there, you know, for a contest. Um, they've maybe had imbibed a little too much, but they had this thing going on about who can stay in the hog barn the longest. Well, after three minutes, the Dane came falling out. <laughs> he couldn't stand it any longer. The smell was so bad. Ten minutes later, the Norwegian fell out, stumbling into the ground. Thirty minutes later, the pigs all came out. <laughs> that's, how, that's how stubborn we can be, right? Jesus wanted us to relax and to know that God just wants a relationship with us. Just talk with God. Pray to God like God is your loving parent because that's what God is. God is your loving parent. The Father loves. The Father forgives. And the Father knows how to give good gifts to his children. So prayer is personal. The pattern that Jesus gives us here are three you's and three we's. You're probably wondering, what is he talking about? Well, there are three you's and there are three we's, and that means that prayer begins with God. You are references to God. We are references to us. It begins with three you's, references to God, and three we's concludes it, references to the people. So prayer begins with God and ends with us. The three you's remind us that prayer like all worship, is God-centered. There's a, a German word for worship that I have always appreciated. It's, it's Gottesdienst. And um, what it means, literally translated, is God's service to man. Man's service to God. That's a lot of words from one word in the German but that's what it means, God's service to man. God has served you and me through his son Jesus and then our service to God because of what God has given us in his son Jesus. So the three U's, the prayer begins with Jesus teaching his disciples to pray that that God's name is hallowed. It means God's name is holy. It is honored. But as disciples, we pray this not only for ourselves, 
but we also pray that this holiness of God's name would be acknowledged by more and more people on earth. I remember when I was in confirmation and then high school youth group, Karen was a year ahead of me. And uh, she had um, this habit of using God's name in vain continually. And uh, even as a youngster, that, that always made me uneasy. Not to bring judgment upon her, but it was, a, it was a reminder for me that I want to watch how I speak about God so that all of my conversation about God, even in the midst of anxiety and pressure and suffering and anger, is hallowed, is holy. The second we is we pray for God's kingdom to come. Your kingdom come. Your name is hallowed. Your kingdom come. God's kingdom is not just this future reality, but it is also a present-day experience. You may have noticed on Sunday mornings when I offer a prayer for the offering, oftentimes I make reference to God's kingdom that is coming here. God's kingdom comes not because of us, not because of our offerings, not because of our work, not because of our service. God's kingdom comes because God wills it to come. And so we are praying for God's kingdom to come so that as God's rule expands, that we are preparing then to commit our lives to the service of the kingdom expansion so that we become God's hands and feet. That's a popular Lutheran uh, reference today. But I would like to add one more, that we would become God's hands, feet, and mouth. As we think about what we are called to do, we are not just called to serve through our hands and our feet, but we're also called to serve through our mouth. How has God changed your life? Has God changed your life? God dramatically changed our life over the last four days, five days. I mean, we were very, very worried about our granddaughter, little nine-month-old Maeve. But God dramatically changed our lives through the power of prayer, through the power of medicine and healing. And <clears throat> I am here to tell you, and Patty will tell you, about how grateful we are for the presence of God and for the power of God in this world as his kingdom comes. You see, if you have an experience of God's kingdom impacting your life, changing you, don't be quiet about it or you'll end up in a hog barn. And then the third you is, God, your will be done. God does this too. God is bringing, I love this image, God is bringing this rebellious earth back under 
the rightful reign of God. I mean, just think of this earth as roiling and bubbling and trying to break away. And God is bringing the earth back under his rightful reign. It's not about our will. It's not about my will. It's not about your will. This is, this is about God's will. You know, it's still a challenge because there's this human part of us that needs to be in control, at least of some parts of our lives. I, I've made reference to this before, but you know, at the Christian bookstores a few years back, they sold this little plaque. And the plaque was this saying that said, God is my co-pilot, which makes me very nervous because if God is my co-pilot, that means that I need to be in control of the plane. And I'm not, I'm not at this point in my life, I'm not willing to do that. I, want, I don't want God to be my co-pilot. I want God to be my pilot. Let's give up control. Let's let God's will come and bear upon this world. Jesus models giving up control in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he is praying for God, his Father, please take this cup away from me. But then what does he say after that? But not my will, but thy will be done. So we begin, because it's God-centered prayer, Jesus teaches us that we always begin with God. And then we pray for the three we's. The three we's are the needs of the people. We begin with daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. That which we need for survival. The prayer for daily bread is not just for me, because I, as you can see, have had plenty of bread. The prayer is that God, all of God's people all around the world would have enough food, clothing, and shelter for survival for this day and then for tomorrow, and then for the next day. One of the greatest ministry um, opportunities that, uh, that I think we have done as a church is uh, Feed My Starving Children. Because you get to go and you pack these food items and you, uh, you bless them, you pray over them, you send them. They know, you know where they're going. They tell you the, the city that they're going to. And that food then is an answer to this prayer for many children around the world. Then we continue by praying for God to forgive us our debts, our sins. I married a Presbyterian, and one of the great things that she taught me was that the literal word in the prayer is not trespasses, it's not sins, it's debts. And if you were in the Presbyterian church, you'd still pray that, forgive us our debts. And so when we offer this, pray, this prayer, um, this part of the prayer, 
what we're saying is that everyone is sinful and, and in need of God's forgiveness. And our sin, then pictured as a debt owed to God, is a debt that can never be repaid. It is impossible because the debt that we have incurred has become so great, it is impossible for us to repay it. And so we, we ask for God to grant us forgiveness. Grant us forgiveness on this day, but also grant us forgiveness on that day of judgment when Christ comes again to reassert his final reign over this world. God's forgiveness is a gift. It is a gift that is given for you and for me. And when we receive that gift, it allows us, it empowers us then to be able to forgive others. If we haven't received forgiveness, it's not going to be very likely that we're going to be able to forgive others. I was reminded um, by an article this morning of the story of the tragic shooting in Charleston, South Carolina at Emmanuel AME Church, an African-American church that was almost five years ago, five years ago this summer. The shooter grew up in a house filled with hatred. The shooter also grew up as a confirmed Lutheran. And it was quite an act of grace when the head of the AME church invited our presiding bishop, the Lutheran bishop, to come and to participate in the funeral services. And what was even more amazing was after this young man experienced his trial, after he had been judged guilty and condemned, the family members all came to the courtroom that day and they said, we forgive you. One by one by one, the family members of those nine victims that had been slaughtered, they invited them into their Bible study. One by one, the family members of those nine victims went up to him and said, I forgive you. They knew the power of forgiveness. They had received forgiveness, and so they knew that this gift could not be contained, that they needed to share that gift, even with the young man who took the lives of their loved ones. The last we lead us not into temptation. The evil one wants to take away your faith. The evil one wants to remove God's deliverance from your life. 
And so we don't take evil lightly. But God has given us a reminder in this petition that the evil one ultimately can have no power over us because the one who reigns, the one who is bringing his reign upon this earth is the king of kings. And the king of kings has come to forgive you. Come tonight and receive that forgiveness. As if you come forward for ashes, we invite you to just come when you are so moved. If you prefer not to receive ashes, but you would like to hear the blessing, then come with your arms crossed in front of you. I won't put ashes on you if you come like this. But come. Come to the Lord this evening.